Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome. This is Don't Miss This. Glad y'all are here. Okay. First bit of news is you. we showed you the journals that we have. We don't have one right here. Right? We're so I excited just looked, about yeah. them, though. Yeah, all the study guide sheets for the Book of Mormon are printed out along with some other note sheets and everything that's in there, right? And then we've got a lot of people who like um, to print them out to do a little bit smaller or for our international friends. We're working on getting a digital version for those of you who do want to print them out different sizes. And yeah, if you want them in your who, scriptures, some of you want them in your Come Follow Me books. And Some don't of you want to live pay a thousand dollars. New Zealand, and you can't even get a journal. So everyone in the world is working on figuring out how to get you all a journal right now. That yeah. is what is happening. So, um, and we should probably just tell them again. So this was a big debate. We debated it for months what we were going to do, and we asked you a lot of questions and surveys just to see if it was worth sending them out once a month in the newsletter or putting them in the journal. And it had to be an either or. It couldn't be a, a both. And so, because so many of you wanted the journal, we were like, okay, let's just go with the journal route. And we feel like that was the right thing to do. Um, it'll be a big blessing for you. It's also going to be really helpful for um, things that we're doing here. So that is going to be awesome. Win-win. Meanwhile, we have got to figure out how to get the journals to those of you who do not live in the United States. And we are working on that. Yeah. So, no worries. Yes. We got you. All going to work out. Okay, but today we're starting the book of Revelation. Oh, who's happy about the book of Revelation? It, well, no one can answer, but maybe you cheered from your couch or car, which is a good or, idea. Or they cried. <laughs> you don't know which one, but this is what you need to know. We love the book of Revelation so much. Like, you probably don't know two people who love the book of Revelation more than we do. In fact, I have, look, everybody, I'm holding my real life scriptures today because they're just colored. Everything is colored in there and all the notes are, so I just, I haven't transferred it over to the phone, but we really do. Um, Just because we're kind of creative minded, uh, a book that is so filled with symbolism and numbers and colors and all those sorts of things that trying to depict a feeling is just right up our alley. So for some of you who are really analytical in your thinking, this book might drive you crazy. Come over to the light. Yeah, come to our side. Yeah, it reminds just, me yeah. of when Caleb was really little. For some reason in preschool, when he was tiny, someone taught the word imagination to him. And he came home and he was just fascinated by that word. <laughs> and then he said to me, Mom, where is my imagination? Like, where is it? He was so wanted to like put his finger on it. And I, I didn't quite know how to answer. And then he was like, I think it's right here. And so whenever he was going to use his imagination, he would be like, mom, I'm just going to use my imagination. He would tell me all the time, we need you to use your imagination right now. That's what you're about to do. Okay. Mine's in my thumb. Oh, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. okay so first part of revelation today obviously we can't do everything in the book so we just we handpicked a couple we things we wish we were we almost did a seven hour come follow me we really did but we didn't because it's december and no one has seven hours yeah it's christmas so this book was written by john the same john who writes the gospel of john Beloved. Um, John the Beloved, mm-hmm. who who was loved by Jesus. Remember, that's what his best name is. Mm-hmm. Um, from what 
Bible scholars know he's on the island of Patmos. Some people think he was there kind of on prison arrest or whatever. Or what do you call that? You know, where he's sort of like banned to that little island. Um, you can think that. Um, not sure for exactly. That was bad English. <laughs> but there you go. Um, and he writes this to, there are seven branches of the church that he writes this to. And you'll see those branches of the church in just a minute. But he writes this to everybody. Um, you may remember from the book of First Nephi that Nephi gets a vision of the entire end of the world, like the, from beginning all the way to end. And he's about to write the wrapping up scenes of and the whole end of the would've. world. I, I know. Just, there's part of me that is like, oh, I wish he would have. And then the angel says, that's not your job. It's actually going to be um, someone else's job. And that is John. But he writes it in a lot of symbolism and numbers. And, and people wonder why. Why? And the reason is too, there's a type of scripture called apocalyptic scripture. And that sounds like a fireball's about to fall on your house. <laughs> but the word apocalypse is a Greek word that means an uncovering or a revelation, something to be revealed. And so that's all that this is. It's just an uncovering of truths, that of, of events and things that are going to happen. But the, and it's written in crazy language. There are crazy things going on. There are women riding on top of water and there are dragons and there's seven heads and ten crowns and there's like when you're reading it you're like what is even happening in here and there are several reasons why that happened and we're not going to list all the reasons we're just going to list our three favorite yeah. reasons of why we feel like this book was written in the language that it was written in what makes sense to us Okay, so first is remember they're being really persecuted by Rome at the time, and so it's written and it doesn't aggravate Rome. Like they don't talk about, um, you know, anything, it just can cover anything religious. It's sort of written in code. So yeah, lots of hidden meaning on purpose, just to keep everything protected. And only those who would have known books like the book of Daniel and the book of Ezekiel would have known what John was talking about because he relies on previous scriptures. So it's sort of like insider language. And let's talk about the code for a minute. Um, because a lot of the code you understand better if you understand Hebrew. And in Hebrew, a lot of things have double meanings. For example, numbers. All the numbers in Hebrew, if you read the number seven, you know it means complete. If you read the number five, you know it means grace, if you know Hebrew. Um, so they would have known that about all the numbers. They know it about colors. They know it about animals. They know it about um, parts of the body. Every word that is just a normal word has a hidden meaning or a code. And if that is something that fascinates you, Alonzo Gaskill has a great book he wrote in 2003. Um, you might love having that book. So, but it's really helpful just to know a lot of what is written that just sounds like, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you understood Hebrew, you would be like, oh, so then this means this and this means this. We're going to walk you through a couple of those today yeah. just so you can kind of see what that might have looked like back right. then. Yeah, because another big important part of this is really to use that imagination. If it's here in your thumb, doesn't matter. <laughs> but just like to kind of feel through what he is saying. Um, that translates really well. That's another reason that he writes in this way because feelings and images and pictures can translate over right. the so the meaning doesn't get lost. And things were so, like the descriptions were so crazy that someone who was sitting down trying to translate it couldn't be like, oh, I think this is what he meant and give you their interpretation because the pictures and everything are so big and so just bigger than life and the words and everything that a translator would have had to just say, 
I just have to write down exactly what is in here because I have no idea what he's saying. So it, it made the book of Revelation stay protected through all of these years of translations. Yeah. And the best reason of all, maybe, I, we think, mm -hmm. is that it forces you to really think spiritually, to have the Spirit be your guide as you try to understand the words, both, both for them who read it originally and for us today. It has that, that same purpose. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that you're going to notice throughout the book is these themes that keep getting repeated, and, it, and it's really the theme of this is during a tough, tough time to be a Christian, and the great theme to everyone is don't worry, God eventually wins. Like keep your eye on the finish line. Um, God will win and the faithful are going to be crowned and he knows the end from the beginning. That is over and over and over and over throughout the entire book. Just that reminder to kind of give people like hope in something as they live their rough lives. And I feel like we should start before we even jump into any of the other stuff with chapter one of Revelation verse three. Because I love that John gives all of us a blessing before we even get in. Like before we even start, he says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. And I just love that he gave us that blessing right at the very beginning. He was like, listen, if you read it, um, if you hear it, and if you're willing to keep whatever the Spirit teaches you about this, then then you're going to be blessed. We're just blessed for even entering into the study. And I love that. So yeah. be prepared to learn things that are important to you. I love when he says, for the time is at hand. You're going to learn from this book during this study in December of 2019 what you need to know from this book right now. That is what I love about that promise from John. Awesome. Should we do so, it? So, yeah, let's jump in. Uh, well, we are, have already jumped, but let's jump, jump in. Okay, and who so, loves that Joseph Smith called this one of the plainest books ever written? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, he's so fun. Okay, so we're going to start with this vision that John gives of Jesus right from the very get-go. You already know that Jesus is like the center of his heart and affection. And you see that in his writing right here that he starts off with almost like, let me show you his wonder and his majesty and capture your heart with him like right from the very beginning. And we love this because it's December and because it is so fun to be thinking about Jesus and everything that he is. And he's gonna describe Jesus to us and you love this about us because I love the description of Jesus in here and you don't love it as much as I do. Listen, <laughs> we had this discussion last night and she still is unaware of what I'm trying to say. Let me just tell you something. <laughs> I love it, but you have to read it with your imagination mind. Otherwise, you don't love it. Because if you Google a picture of Jesus from the book of Revelation, he's so scary. So if you take it literally, it's kind of, it's it would be a freaky picture. Like you don't want it on your wall, is what I'm telling you. But with, with what it actually means is beautiful. Before we look into that, we have to read this part because it is the best okay, part where he says this. Part. He says, this is a vision from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So John is saying, this is from, let me tell you who this whole letter is coming from. And you love it's that from he's him. the faithful witness. That might be one of my favorite names of Jesus. Right. And then he says this, and not only is he's done that, why? Verse six, he's made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To be uh, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 
This line's so awesome. He cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. The JST says with 10,000s with him. That that number 10,000s isn't actually like uh, 9,999 like that, but that's a number that means like innumerable. And it's awesome because right at the beginning, he is teaching us that like the innumerable people are going to be saved and exalted by him. Like this is this is not like this hopeless cause. Mm-hmm. Like he is mighty to save and, and he's going to do it. Um, okay, then now let's skip to his description, which is so interesting. Um, I think it would be fun if one of us reads and one of us tells the symbolism so people can keep track of both as we go. What, okay. Which one do you want to be? Um, I, I Either. Oh, and should we move over yeah. just so you can see Oh, yeah, this. you want to see. You For sure you want all this stuff on the board. It's going to help you. Yeah. And so we're going to be focusing that. on this right now. Okay. Um, so... Let, let's just start reading and then we'll stop when we see. So Okay, he hears a voice. Verse 12, is that where Yeah, he think? hears a voice and he turns and he sees seven golden candlesticks. Okay, and it's fun to talk about seven. Um, seven means complete in the book of Revelation. And um, candlesticks would represent truth or in this case, probably the whole church. Right. Um, so uh, the complete whole church. And in the midst of it is... Is okay, one like unto the Son of Man, because it is him. And he's clothed with a garment all the way down to his feet, and he's girt about the hips. It says the paps with a golden girdle. So, so yeah. Jinx. So mm-hmm. being clothed, you want to remember, means being covered. It's an atonement word. Um, to be covered but with grace, to be covered and protected by some like outside. Yeah, and enabling strength, power, right? grace, all of those words that you love. That's what he wants you to have the image of. And gold means truth. Um, a golden girdle would be just pure truth. So he has all grace and pure truth is what he's telling you now. Okay, then it says his head and his hairs were white like wool. And white as means? White as snow. White is purity. Um, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. See? That's scary. And his feet... <laughs> We're like fine brass. Okay, and brass is fun because brass means judgment. So you want to write that down. Um, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. Um, so as you think about that, he's not having many waters, but think about when you've been by waters. And I love that waters can either be powerful or soothing, depending right. on what kind of water you're by. So you love that his voice is exactly what you need in the moment. Okay, and we we should have done this with flame of fire also. Think about everything about fire. Like, I don't think he actually has fireball eyes, but again, he's trying to invoke a feeling about that. And if you would think for a minute, like, what is it that you feel when you're near fire? Like, why is that a good description for him? That might be an awesome discussion to have because everybody would think a lot of different things, but think about like being near a campfire when you're, when you're camping. Um, how it, uh, it it's kind of mesmerizing and also like you, you can't take your eyes off of it. It's warm. warm it's, it's light. Strength, it guides. It's protecting. Yes. It's like all those, things. those things when he looks into his eyes. And then it says, and he has in his right hand. And we should talk about the right hand is your covenant hand. That's why we generally take the sacrament with our right hand. Um, your right hand is just a covenant hand. Your promise hand. It's a promise hand. Right. And out of his mouth was a sharp two-edged sword. No, wait, you missed, you missed. Oh, oh, my the best part. part. Sorry, 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 sorry. He had in his right hand the seven stars. And stars in that time would have represented, we've talked about this before, navigation. So he has the ability to give complete direction. 
right? And, and guidance. in particular to the um, leaders or the people that were in those seven churches. He tells you at the end of the chapter, like he's like has guide. He's got the leaders and the churches in his hands, and out of his mouth a two-edged sword. Mm, and we love sword. Right. Um, sword represents truth and spirit. That's why it's two-edged. You a little bit get that also from knowing scripture because uh, Ephesians, the um, armor, the armor God. of God. Yeah. And his countenance was as the sun, which shineth in its strength. That is its tongue twister. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet. And he laid his right hand on me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and death. Oh, and we love this part because anyone who is studying Inklings with us, which is a large majority of you, know that Barbara Morgan Gardner just told us, and this is so awesome, a study, I forgot to tell you about this, to go through and gather all the keys in all of scripture. And she's found 40 so far. Oh. So here would be one, the keys of hell and death. Um, isn't that an awesome idea to go through and just gather yeah. all of the keys that are mentioned in scripture? If you want to understand the priesthood, there is a hint for you. Um, but this, the keys of hell and death is his ability to overcome sin and overcome death. So this was fun because you could have just read that and been like, well, that is the longest description of Jesus I've ever read. But it's so fun to go through and read what he's trying to describe for you is Jesus. And he's like, let me tell you about Jesus. And he's going to do it for us visually and figuratively. But what he ends up saying is he is someone that is clothed in grace. He has pure truth and judgment. He's powerful and soothing. He is a covenant keeper and he's going to watch over those who make covenants. He's going to give you navigation and guidance. He has truth and the spirit, light and strength, and he can overcome sin and death. That's what that picture just painted for you. And if you get really good at it, that's what the whole book of Revelation does. It just unfolds for you through this code um, what he's trying to teach you. Yeah, so make sure you're like something that might be really helpful is to take sections like this and rewrite it. You know, to take like, okay, what does that mean? What's this feeling? And to rewrite it in your own paragraph. And then you're all of a sudden like, wait, that's a really beautiful description, mm -hmm. you know, of Jesus. And, and look for details. For example, in 13, it says he's in the midst of the seven mm -hmm. candlesticks, like that he's right in the middle of everything, yeah. that he holds you in his hand. Like those kind of details uh, are what really going to make the whole book sparkle. Okay, um, for kind of our last part here, we're going to look at the churches that he talks. He starts mentioning some of the churches specifically, and he does a little pattern for each of them, which is... And wait, before you tell the pattern, let's just give you some ideas of how to study this because we are not going to be able to go into it in full detail. So he's going to give you a pattern that happens in every church, in all the seven churches, except for one, and we will tell you to be on the watch out for that one so you don't get confused because they all have certain things and it might be fun as a family just to take one church every day of this week. And we, he's outlined for you right here on this paper, which are the verses that you would do. And as you get to each church, you're, either you're going to want to write down all the things right here, or also, I'm going to show you this. Let me show it up to you close. Um, I, I like mine spread out like this, but we did not have enough paper. And you'll even be able to pause and kind of see some of our thoughts as we've been writing um, on there. Um, you're going to want to go through and capture each of those churches and their pattern. So now 
explain the pattern. Okay, for each of the cities, he's going to give praise for something that is going great. And in it's, their it's lives. kind of their works, it's how their faith is exhibited, right. it's, it's what's happening there. Okay, also, there's going to be either some sort of correction or some sort of counsel to them. Or a challenge they're facing. Right, yeah, because of what is going on. Um, and then, because he kind of mentioned, this is what's going on in your city, let me give you some counsel. Or, this is what you're doing that's kind of derailing you, let me mm -hmm. get you back on track. And then in every single one of them, there is a promise for them overcoming that. Right, both a promise to look forward to and promises that are going to help them make it through it. So... One of the things I like to do with all these is to look at the connection between Jesus and the problem. Like, how is he going to help them through that particular problem or challenge that they that they have also? So that's kind of, remember, we first started with a description of who he is. So how could he help them with, mm -hmm. their, with their actual problem? So as you go through every day, you're probably going to want to write down, this is what you're doing good. This is what you're struggling with, would be number two. This is the counsel he's going to give you. And this is the blessing if you follow the counsel. Um, that It's kind of how conference talks work nowadays yeah. for yeah, us. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. a little bit how they work. Um, so that's what you're going to look for. We're going to walk through a couple with you just because the language is so tricky. We want to give you an idea. This is like what it looks like. And then at the very end, one thing that we love to do is say, okay, which one is the most like me where I am right now? And so we're going to walk you through. That might be a fun thing to do with your kids as you're yeah. going through this. So should we just start with the first one? Yeah, Ephesus? start with the first one. Okay, this is what I was meaning. Look how he starts each of the cities. So he writes, these. this is chapter 2, verse 1. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. So oh, you kind of want to capture the names of Jesus to, right. every time. He goes too. back to what happened in chapter one for each of them. He's like, okay, here is the one who's talking is the one who has you in his hand, who knows how to guide you and knows how to direct you. Right? So you want to remember like why specifically that description of Jesus for, for this, this particular church. city or church that's there. Okay, so what they're doing good, it says, look, verse 2, it says, I know your works and your labor and your patience, how you can't bear all them which are evil, how you've tried them which are apostles or not and found them liars, meaning you're kicking out all those people who were in opposition against you, that you're making, you're navigating your way through this good job. Um, you've borne with patience my namesake and you've labored without fainting. That's verses 2 and 3. So that would be an example of, Great job. You are doing really, really wonderful in this. Um, then in verse 2, you get, this is the problem. He said, I, I have a little bit to say, verse 4, because you have left your first love. Um, and remember, the first love is the two great commandments, to love God and love your neighbor. And he says, and you, and you sort of have neglected those two great commandments. So then he gives counsel there. If you will repent and go back to your first works... Right, which is to serve and love, you know, your your fellow man. Then the promise is in verse seven: "To him that overcometh this, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God." So, why don't you talk about that tree of life um, thing? Okay, so it's fun to talk about. Well, there's two in here we might want to notice. He also talks. Um, in verse 6, this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And then we're like, who were the Nicolaitans? We have no idea. 
Um, but as you as you look back and see, these are people who are hypocrites, who said one thing and then did something different. And he loves that they're they're not hypocrites. They're trying to do what they're trying to do. And so he says to them, I'll give to you um, if you overcome the tree of life. It's fun to study the tree of life and what comes with the tree of life. But my favorite place to study is Elder Bednar's conference talk. And, and let's write that. We're going to write that on there. Because he talks about the tree of life is Jesus Christ. It's a symbol of Jesus Christ. And the fruit on the tree is all of the blessings that come through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So what the, the promise is to this church is if you will do that, if you will repent, if you'll turn again to Christ, if you'll love God and love your neighbor, the promise is you're going to have the blessings of Jesus Christ and the atonement of Jesus Christ working in your life. That's the promise. And think of what some of those are. He's like, you'll experience love and you'll experience strength and you'll experience mm -hmm. peace. You'll experience uh, endurance. Like all of the all the fruits that come from the atonement of Christ can be yours as you turn back to your first yeah. works and your first love. Okay, so that's the first church. So those would be the four things that you have written down. The second church is Smyrna. Yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible name. The second church is Smyrna. And um, we're going to read in there. He says in um, 8 through 11 of right where we are, I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, um, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not in the synagogues. Um, and then he's going to give them their challenge. So that's their, um, they're just in tribulation. They're in poverty. And their challenge is... Um, Fear not, fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Some of you are going to be cast into prison. Some of you are going to be tried. You're going to have tribulation for 10 days. 10, the number 10 means all, for all the days is what he's telling, not just 10 days, because who can't do tribulation for 10 days? <laughs> um, but it's all the days, and you're going to be faithful unto death. Um, so this is, is what he's telling him. This is a church that lives in a, they're poor um, they don't have a lot of money. They, they're they persecuted. They live in a um, time of tribulation. And their counsel is going to be to fear not. Just be faithful through this. You just, you got to get through this without fear and looking to me. And um, then the promise is going to be. And there's two promises here. And they're awesome if you know the actual city. So the first one is a crown of life. So just think about how. If you were poor, what an awesome blessing that is, right? I'm going to give you the crown of life, not a gold crown, but a crown of like being able to like live and feel alive in the midst of like your hardships. And then the second one is you won't be heard of the second death. So let's talk about what is the second death. If you were teaching seminary, how would you teach the first death and the second death in a way that people's kids would understand? Okay, the easiest way to understand it is the first death is your own physical death. And then the second death is your spiritual death. Um, everybody is died spiritually kind of when you came to the world. Right? You because left. you left the presence of God. But you're going to go back into his presence. And you get to stay there if you want. And there are some who will experience a second death, which is being taken out of his presence again. So the idea of second death is, is being out of God's presence and, and spiritually dead. Is what that means and so these people are wanting protection right they're saying we want protection from poverty we want protection from persecution we want protection from the trials that we're getting and in essence what the promise is that comes to this church is you're gonna be spiritually protected that's what's gonna happen for you and and as much as as temporal things feel important right now 
the most important protection for you is actually spiritual. It's going to be spiritual protection. That's what your promise is going to be. Right. And just to be filled with spirit and life, you know, that crown of life that's going to come. Yep. Um, okay, okay. Three. Three is? Pergamos. Yes. Pegasus. And it's 12 through <laughs> 17 um, is where we're going to go. Um, and it's a sharp sword with two edges. So if you're looking back, I forgot to say what it was. Um, oh, the first and the, the last. Yeah, he who and then was this dead one's the sharp sword with two edges. This and verse 12. Remember, that's the title of Jesus. And then in, in this 13, one. do you want to? Okay. Take it? Yeah. So he says, "You dwell where Satan's seat is." That seems like a who really scary to thing there? to live. <laughs> right? He's like, "You you live kind of in the headquarters of Satan." And uh, you've been holding fast and have not denied my faith, even though you've lived um, in this really, yeah. really wretched Where place. Where Satan dwells, right. tells us. The end of that verse. So yeah. it's like, wow, that's amazing that you live in such a wicked place, but you're still able to, to keep the faith. Now, verse 14, he says, but I have a few things against you because you kind of hold the doctrine of Balaam. And, and we don't need to know what that is. Okay. Do you remember the story of Balaam? Where he was uh, the one who cursed the children of Israel. Um, and the story goes back, really, just in its bare minimum, he was willing to sell the church. For um, money. For money. Right. Like, that's what he was willing to do. He was just going to sell the church for money. There was a guy. Do you remember? He's, that's the talking donkey story. Yeah, the talking donkey. <laughs> the talking donkey. So um, the guy <laughs> said, I will pay you all this money if you will curse the children of Israel. And he said, no, okay, I'll do it. And the donkey tries to stop him, but he ends up going and doing it anyways. So really it's selling out, um, you know, your your covenants for money mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, and then the Nicolaitans come back again in verse 15, which is being a hypocrite. Um, and he says, like, the, this is sort of what you are living in. So repent really, really quickly. Um, and remember, he in this church, he's the one who has the sharp two-edged sword where he's just like, I've, I've got, like, I've, this is a problem I've got to, like, cut out really quick out of you. Um, and and then the promise in verse 17. Oh, and you love this. You, this is, is when you so want to use rad. your imagination. Like, we don't even almost want to tell you because you're going to be able to figure it out yourself because say the keywords that are so good. Okay. To him that overcometh, I, I will give you to eat of the hidden manna. That one's a little tricky. And I will give you a white stone, and in that stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, save it, saving he that receiveth it. So what what might help in this is that the hidden manna that we're talking about is inside the Holy of Holies in the temple. In the Ark of the Covenant, they put some manna from their journey in the wilderness. So they would remember. Right. That's why it was in there. They they were told to put some in there so they would never forget that happened. And it was kept in... The Holy of Holies inside the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And so remember, that room represents... I mean, that's inside the innermost room of the temple, which rep- represents the, the very presence of God. And the things that you would learn and be able to be nourished by in his presence. And only in, in that place could you have that. And the white stone would represent the Urim and Thummim are also just pure revelation that comes in the temple. So it's um, interesting so it's that it used to be... Right, but, but what's fun with both of those is hidden manna is like, you know, a substance that you haven't found yet. And the white stone is revel. So I actually, one of the blessings there too is like, I'll guide you with revelation, mm-hmm. right? Things that you haven't known yet. And, yeah, and then the so white good. stone is the Urim and Thummim. So 
Okay. Okay, then, so then we go to the next one. And he says in this one, I'm he who has the eyes like a flame of fire and feet like undefined brass. So it's going to be judgment. He's coming as a god of judgment, he tells us, because brass reminds us of judgment. And I know your works and charity and service and faith and patience um, and the works and the last to be more than the first. But notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because you suffered that woman Jezebel which calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication. Tell us about Jezebel. Okay, Jezebel was the queen of a neighboring nation that King Ahab married. And the Bible dictionary says about her that she single-handedly brought down the spiritual destruction of the entire kingdom of Israel. Because she's the most wicked woman right. in the whole Bible, I think. Yes. So what happens is they bring, he actually brought this woman in and she brought with her all of her nasty worship of their false gods, which was immorality and child sacrifice. And, and she introduced those immoral practices into the kingdom of Israel and they kind of were ruined from the inside out. So they, the thing he has against her is you've brought in Jezebel-like practices from the world into the your lives and into the church. And, and this one you just want to keep in mind and um, that, that in essence it wasn't just the world in the world and not of the world, but it really was bringing in that which was evil into your most sacred spaces. That's what he's talking about right now. I do love this about God so much. We love this about the character of Christ. Oh, 21. 21. Yeah, it's the best verse. And because we just called her the most wicked woman in the whole Bible, on, which makes me feel so sad. That you, <laughs> Why did she have to be that? But we love in verse 21, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. You're like, you love that he's, I'll just give everybody a second chance, even Jezebel, um, if she wants a second chance. and But she wouldn't. And um, so then... Um, then he says in verse 23, I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Remember, because he's judgment. He's the feet of brass right now. He's telling you this is just what is going to happen to you. And then the promise is, he in verse 26, He that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, him will I give him power over the nations. Um, and 28, don't forget that. Yeah, one. and I will give him the morning star. So what's interesting is um, she comes in and, and it's kind of like the fall of their nation because of what that's brought in. He's like, if you can get rid of those types of things, I will let you have rule and reign over many things. Remember in that parable, he's like, if you've, you've done over this, I'll let mm -hmm. you. But the best one really is 28. And he says, I will give you the morning star. That is a title for Jesus. It's one the, of my favorite titles the, of Jesus. It's so good. And what's so awesome is there, he's saying, like, get Jezebel out and bring in the promises that Jesus will be in, right? He will be a constant companion of you. You will have him with you in all things that you do. So that is the promise in that one. Okay, Philadelphia is the one that is a little tricky. Um, so we're in chapter 3 now, 7 through, oh wait, did we do Sardis? Oh, nope. Okay, just kidding. Okay, Sardine Sorry. is chapter 3, <laughs> verse 1. I am the one that has the seven, uh, the seven stars in my hand. Um, and I, um, I know thy works, and thou has a name. So um, the advice that he gives them is to watch, be watchful, and strengthen the things that remain. Well, but wait, you forgot the part you love. I know thy works, that thou has a name, and you live... Oh, and yeah. are dead. I was like, wait, where's the problem? Yeah, I forgot. Okay, I was like, I'm, I'm missing it. Okay. Um, 
So the their problem is that they're they're doing things that would bring the spirit, but they don't. But they're dead instead of living. Um, they're dead, and I loved what you said about that. What did you say? Oh, that they're saints oh, in yeah. name only. So uh, again, the counsel on that, right? He was like, you're doing all the works, but you're not really doing it with your heart. So he says, be watchful and strengthen those things that that remain. I, I've not found thy works perfect before God. He's just like, oh, you just look, but he just says, this is important. And when he says like, be watchful because I come as a thief in the night, he says, like, th- look to these things like you're like you're actually watching for me and you're actually mm-hmm. looking for me. Like, be intentional about it. Don't just like kind of live life like. And I love that part when he says strengthen the things which remain. It just makes me think of our time so much right now that it feels like you hear so much about religion everywhere um, that people are leaving religion that they've they're just moving to different things. And I feel that call so deeply, strengthen the things that remain. Like you can no longer just get by. It's what President Nelson is telling us. Um, you, we've got to strengthen what is remaining here um, to be able to withstand what we're up against. And I love that line so much. And those who overcome in verse 5 will be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out, blot out his name out of the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And we just love this idea of Jesus saying, I've, I've got your name in my book. And the word we love for this is that you're known, that the blessing that comes with those who overcome this is, I, I, I've got your name in, in the book. I know who you are. I'm watching over and I'm seeing what is going on. To have that realization, that's what they're missing out on by, by just kind of going through the motions of it. You're missing out on the reassurance that I see you watch over you and know what's happening. Um, Okay, then Philadelphia. This is the one that's a little tricky. It's 7 through 13. The angel of the church to Philadelphia. This is what I want you to write. These things said he that's holy, that's true, he that has the key of David. Um, He that, oh, see there's that key. And that goes back to um, the And the key of David is a a key to all spiritual blessings. Because remember, David was the king. So to be the king is to be over all. So key of David is he can unlock all spiritual blessings for and you. And you love that with the key, he can open and no man can shut, and or he can shut and no man can open. And then he says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for you hast a little strength. And you've kept my word, and you haven't denied my name. And I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you because you have kept the word of my patience. I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them um, that dwell upon the earth. It's so interesting because there is no, there's not something they're struggling with. You love that he's just like, here, I know who you are. I see what you're doing. And you love that they're not like doing amazing things. I love when he's like, um, where is the part where he tells them, you have a little strength. They're not even the strongest of the people. And you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. I just love that he's like, you're just doing your best with the conditions that you're in. Yeah, and they are. to Philadelphia? Yeah, we should. Okay. Because they're just being persecuted. Right. And he's so really the call here is just like, just hold on. Right. You're doing great. Just keep going. And then verse 12, he that overcometh, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him 
the name of my God. Oh, we love that part. So he just tells them that you are with me permanently. A pillar is a permanent fixture. He's like, you are permanently with me. I'm going to write on you the name of my God. You are claimed by me. You have a spot and you are claimed. So you love it in the other church, you're known. Then in this church, now he's saying you're claimed, right? Yeah, and then the blessing in the third one is so cool with those other two. So verse 14, it starts, the Laodosians, and he says, I am the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And their problem is in verse 16, and he says, you are just lukewarm. You know? Yeah, you're not cold or hot. And I just want to... I wish you were cold or hot. Yeah, I just want to spit you out, is what he tells them, because who likes lukewarm hot chocolate this time of year? You know, what if (laughs) someone gives it to you and it's like, you just kind of want to be like... And he's like, you're just not... You just have no, like, vigor to you. You're just sort of apathetic is the problem. And it's interesting, 17, um, you say, I'm rich. I have plenty of stuff. I have need of nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Like, you're missing out on the best things. Like, Mm -hmm. you think your life is okay, but you're missing out on, like, the real, like, just the spark of life that you could have and in you relationship love the counsel with me. for these guys too. Right? Um, okay. 18. I oh. counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich, and white raiment, that you may be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that you would see. Um, as many as I love, I rebuke. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I, it's just so interesting how he's like, here, you you, you just got to turn back. Right. Come back and buy the things that I have to offer you, like instead of being so focused on everything else. And then 21, him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is just this, um, imagine that. He's just like, so remember, you were known. You are claimed, and in this one we say that you are complete. complete. You have all the Father has. You have a fullness. You just, everything that you could possibly want. So we put these blessings here. who loves that he's going to sit with you on the throne? I know you it's love like it. It's like Santa, everybody. I know, he's like, <laughs> just come in. Um, we love these blessings, the atonement, spiritual protection, the blessings that come from the temple, Christ being with you, being known, claimed, and complete um, are kind of what we learn from those. But also... As you look at the churches, if we had to list the churches and the seven things that they might represent, um, for us, it was being distracted, going through a time of trial or tribulation, um, being of the world, mocking the sacred, saints in name only, enduring, and then um, apathy. And we love the thought of just looking and thinking, which city are you in? And what would be the counsel the Lord would give you right now if you were to look at it and say, you know what, this is... I'm kind of leaning toward this church. Everyone wants to be in Philadelphia right now. That's what you want. <laughs> like, everyone says that. I'm, not, I'm actually in that one. Yeah. Um, but really, what could you say if you were just like, how would God praise me right now in my life? What counsel and correction? This might be a great prayer to offer, to just ask him, Lord, what am I doing well? And, and what counsel or advice or correction would you give? And maybe a verse pops out to you in here. And then especially to focus on, and what blessings does he have in mind mm. for me that I could claim? Like, why would it be worth it, you know, yeah. to you know, to follow some of that advice? And then, you know, and see what comes of it. So Yeah, it's a good one. You're going to so love good. it. Good luck with your studies. Yeah, dig see in. See you next week. Okay, ciao. 
This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.